Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. If you're joining us coming over from episode one of the week three game recaps, welcome back. If you are just listening to the second part of this episode, mainly because you might want to just be listening for your team and the at game breakdown, well then welcome, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Uh, I am going to be breaking down, starting off with the Bengals and Steelers game. And the Steelers... I, I hate to say it, Steelers fans, but I, thus far, have been pretty damn correct about how they've been performing this season. I said that the Steelers would finish last in the, in the division, and outside of what seems like a fluke win week one against the Bills, they, they haven't been performing well. The offense has had or had poor run gaps and a poor run game in general. Uh, they had solid pass protection. Big Ben should have retired, though. I, I'm saying that. He should not have came back this season, and I think the Steelers really wanted him to retire just to kind of rip that Band-Aid off, not really have to worry about it. And I, it's kind of sad because I think Big Ben deserves better, but at the same time, he's a major issue with the team. The wide receivers for the Steelers dropped way too many balls in the matchup against the Bengals. The final drive for them, their 11th drive, where it was turnover on downs on 4th and 2. Let me tell you how it went. Dropped pass, dropped pass, 4th and 2, dropped pass. I think it went run, dropped pass, dropped pass, 4th and 2, dropped pass, turnover on downs, and then game. Um, the defense had poor pressure and poor to okay run defense. They didn't really do have good gap control. The, they had okay coverage. The Steelers did not get a single sack in this game. And the reason why that's relevant is because last time they didn't have a sack in a game was 76 games ago. Ending an NFL record at 75 consistent games or straight games with a sack for a team, which you know that it's the end of an era for that defense, it seems like, and that team in general. I, I can't help but feel like the Steelers are going to slowly, well, it's not been slow, it kind of went quick. They started off 11-0 last year, and then they just pretty much crapped the bed. And you're going to use or hear me use that term later, describing another team uh, and another game. But the Steelers, I, I don't know how I feel about them. They didn't have T.J. Watt. Yeah, maybe he would have gotten a sack for them. Uh, he probably would have, but they do not look good. And... I feel bad for Steelers fans. Anyone who thought that they were going to go to the Super Bowl this year, uh, I'm sorry that I was 100% correct that they look terrible thus far. 
some would say that they should be 0-3, that the Bills game was just a fluke. But the Bengals, let's take a look at the Bengals. The Bengals offense had solid to good run gaps. Uh, I would say that they had an overall very er, good run game, and they had a good pass protection as well. Burrow's confidence is going up, which is a very good thing for the Bengals. The defense had an okay pressure and good run defense. You know, Najee Harris couldn't really get any yards behind that offensive line. The coverage was okay to solid for the Bengals. Um, I think the main the main thing about this game is it's just showing how the Steelers, their dominance looks like it's on a downfall. And I can honestly say, and I'm going to predict this, um, of course I don't hope for any injuries, and I don't know if it would really even be an injury. I would not be shocked if Ben Roethlisberger got injured, uh, fake injury or whatever, was placed on injured reserve and kind of just retired. Because if I if I was Ben Roethlisberger and I'm seeing how bad we're doing, especially after uh, how bad we did against a division rival, against the Bengals, it doesn't give me confidence for the season. And with who they're facing this week, the Packers, they faced the Broncos the following week, who at the moment are undefeated, which I don't think they're going to be undefeated this week. I'll talk more about that later. Uh, the Seahawks, and then they go in their bye week. They could be heading into their bye week potentially 1-5. One and, one and so, and then coming out of their bye week, they have to face the Browns. It, it's not looking good for them. And I, I feel bad for the Steelers fans that believed that this was their season because I can nearly promise you that they are not going to make the playoffs. Not how stacked that AFC is. But heading over to the next game, we're taking a look at the Colts-Titans game. And starting off with the Colts, the offense had solid pass protection, and they had, I would say, pretty either okay or solid uh, blitz pickups, to be honest. They had good run gaps uh, and overall good run game. The defense had poor run defense, though, or run D, and not a lot of pressure. The coverage was okay for the Colts. This team, I would still say, is probably the best team yet to or to not win a game yet. Uh, Wentz needs help from the wide receivers. And I can say that, yes, it is definitely not looking good for my prediction that if Wentz stayed healthy the entire season and started his game, or all his games, whatever, that he would be regarded as a top quarterback in this league, top five or borderline top five quarterback. While that is not looking like it's going to be the case, I'm not going to say that he's playing bad. He's he he's not playing good. Like 
good or great, but he is trying to do the most with what he can, and he doesn't really have a lot at the wide receiver position. I don't think T.Y. Hilton was playing this game, if I recall correctly, and I like Pittman, but it doesn't seem like he's getting too much out of him. Granted, it... I don't think he's, I'm going to say this, I think I'm probably going to be wrong on that prediction that he's going to be a top five or borderline top five quarterback, which I'm fine with saying that. It's a hot take. I understand that. And if I'm wrong, I'll I'll admit to it. If I'm right, though, I'd hope that you guys would admit that I was right. That being said, we're going to head over to Tennessee now. The offense had good run gaps and good pass protection, just good O-line play all around. Uh, only one interception of Tannehill's was his fault. The other was a tipped ball by the wide receiver. Uh, and the defense had poor Rundy. If I'm being real honest, they, they, they didn't have good gap control and quite frankly played very poor against the run. Uh, but had, they had okay to solid pressure against Carson Wentz. They got to him when they needed to. And they definitely had solid blitz uh, pressure. The coverage for the Tennessee Titans, it, it was solid. Um, I think that the... It, I'd say that it was probably solid to good, but like at the same time, the Colts wide receivers are not all that. So it's not extremely impressive. Not trying to knock them at all, but um, it'd be more impressive if they did that against, say... The Rams or the Buccaneers, of course, though. And I'm, and even if it was like against a more average team, like it would have been more impressive. But with that being said, we're going to go into the next game's film notes, starting with the Jets. It's going to be the Jets Broncos game, and this was the last game I had to watch. If, if you listen to the first episode, then you would know that I spent last night, which right now it's Wednesday, at around, I recorded the first episode about an hour ago, and I've been working on this episode. It's 10.53 p.m. in Wisconsin. And when I started doing film study Tuesday night, it was that there was light there there was light coming into the window um i the the sun was still up is what i'm trying to get at i watched the remainder of the film game or the games of film that i still had to watch and i watched spent the entire night was up all night until 7 a.m the sun came up so the sun was up and went down and then it came back up again before I finished film. And this Jets Broncos game was the final game that I had to watch. And I so wish I would have watched this like first because this game just pissed me off. The Jets as a team, they're terrible. They're awful. That's just starting off with that. I feel so bad for Zach Wilson and Robert Sala. This team could be worse than the 2017 Browns. 
I'm just being honest. And if you recall correctly, the, the 2017 Browns went 0-16. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jets go 0-17, beat the the uh, the Browns' record of worst season. And if you recall, that Browns team was bad because the, the year before they went 1-15. But at least that Browns team had some recognizable names like Miles Garrett, uh, Sheldon, uh, I'm blanking on his name. They had Ogu, Ogu, I can't pronounce his name. Ogu, Ogu, I can't pronounce it. Ogujobi, I can't pronounce it. I'm trying to, but I know I just butchered it. Ogujobi, um, who was a very good defensive tackle. They had, they had well enough known names on their team. The Jets, outside of Zach Wilson, C.J. Mosley and Corey Davis, who, quite frankly, only has had one good year, and has been dropping a lot of balls. They have they have no one that's worth anything. The they had the the Jets had poor pass protection. They had poor run gaps. Uh, poor play design. There was like three wide receivers on multiple plays, all just in the same area. How do you, and my, my, my big question is, how do you get a taunting penalty when you're this bad of a team? Why are you taunting anyone? Sit down. Shut up. You suck. And some people would say, oh, yeah, well, they're better than you. Yeah, good, good for you. You're, you're a professional football player, and I am a podcast, a professional podcaster or whatever. I, I'm a sports personality. I'm not supposed to be good at football. I'm supposed to be good at talking about football, which I know some of you are like, you're not good at that either. Well, that's fine. That should think that you're still listening. Uh, <laughs> either way, though, the defense had okay to solid run defense. Uh, they had okay gap protection. And okay pressure against Teddy Bridgewater uh, but they had poor coverage the the Jets had pretty poor coverage throughout the entire game and I just want to say again my god I am so sorry for Zach Wilson and Robert Sala I feel bad for Robert Sala because there's no way he's going to be able to fix this team within three years and I don't think that Robert Sala is a bad coach by any means. I think that he just needs time to fix this team. And I don't think Jets ownership will give him time. Because the Jets, as Jets fans would know, are a dysfunctional franchise. And they are going to, in two years, when this team still sucks probably, when they think that Zach Wilson is garbage and trade him and then he ends up balling out because I feel like that's going to happen. They are going to fire Robert Sala. And I feel so bad for Robert Sala because I don't blame him. I think that he was, he just went to a team that is bad, really bad. Probably going to be, or I think that they could go 0-17 this year. My dad does uh, these game or 
game predictions or bets for each week. You have to pick one team. And right now, I've been telling him, hey, whoever the Jets are playing, pick that team to win. You can guarantee that team's going to win. And he's like, oh, how can you guarantee? I'm going to tell him, hey, the Jets suck. Like, god-awful. Zach Wilson, I feel bad for because he's not playing bad. I know people think he's playing bad, but the amount of drop balls, tip passes, all that, no one's going to look good in that offense. Aaron Rodgers would have thrown a couple interceptions by now. Not how not seven probably, but he probably would have like two, three. It, it's just, it's sad. And I feel bad for Robert Sala because I know that he's probably going to get fired in like two to three years because the Jets organization won't give him really a chance to rebuild. And for those who say, oh, well, you know, you can do a lot in two to three years. Yeah, you can. But who wants to play, like, if, if you were a free agent, put yourself in the mind of one of these free agents uh, this next year. You look at teams that are, like, super teams right now, like the Buccaneers, who will probably still have Tom Brady next year, the Chiefs, the Chargers on the up and up, you know, the, the Cardinals. And you go, hmm, who do I want to play for? No one's going, ah, yeah. I want to go play for the Jets where they have high state income tax, where they have, and like, no one's wanting to do that. And I feel like the Giants are dangerously close to being in that category as well, where it's like just tough luck. Like the only players I feel like the Jets are really going to get in free agency are is if they way overpay or if they draft someone and I just feel bad for Zach Wilson Robert Sala that's all now heading to the Broncos the offense had okay to solid run gaps I would say that they were okay they had a solid run game but the run gaps were just okay and they had solid pass protection um this I can genuinely say was actually a bad win for the Broncos the team looked mediocre to be honest and the defense I mean the defense had good pressure and good run defense good coverage all that but I expected that you're playing the Jets a Jets offense that is trash a kid on tw- on uh, TikTok or whatever I'm sure if you're a big enough football fan you've seen the videos I'm sure you can google it this one kid has been just breaking down the Jets film and everything and certain plays and that described the Jets season. And I think he really said for right now he's a he's volunteering to be like a Rams fan or something until the Jets get their shit together. Which sounds like he's gonna be a Rams fan for the season, because I do not see the Jets getting their shit together anytime soon. Uh but the Broncos, like, they, 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 Bridgewater didn't look that good and like in the game. And the Broncos' offense didn't look good. Yeah, their defense looked good. But like I said, it's to be expected. It's the Jets' offense that you're facing. You're not facing a good offense. 
And yes, I'm of course very high on Zach Wilson, but Zach Wilson has no one around him to help him. So it's late, a terrible Jets offense and a rookie quarterback who has all the potential in the world, but nothing around him to to really like actually do anything with that potential. Like I feel so bad because I feel after that game, I can genuinely say I feel like the Jets are going to accidentally break or mess up Zach Wilson. Or if they don't, the Jets fans are going to be lose out on Zach Wilson because they'll trade him. And Zach Wilson will go somewhere else and be a transcendent talent. What he should be with the Jets. Jets need to get their, their shit together. They... This offseason, they need to go get an offensive line around him. They need to draft well. They need to do a lot of stuff. They really do. They need to get rid of bad contracts or restructure contracts. And I'm going to say this. If I was C.J. Mosley, he was on the co- or he uh, took the year off last year because of COVID, if I recall correctly. If I was him, I would have taken this year off too because this team sucks. With all that being said, as you can tell, I was very frustrated watching that film. That, you know, I'm up for multiple hours, like over 12 hours watching film, and that's the final game that I had to watch, and it was that. That's why I got to see. It's just bad. It's really embarrassing, to be honest. Like, Jets, you should be embarrassed of your team. Not fans, you shouldn't be embarrassed, but like, you guys should be demanding more from ownership. And that does not mean to get rid of Robert Sala in the next two to three years. Let him build a team. Show commitment. All that. But moving on, we're going to go to the Dolphins versus the on who they played. The Raiders. Blank on who they played for a sec. Sorry about that, Raiders fans. Starting with the Dolphins. The defense for the Dolphins, they, they they were, to be honest, super porous. They had poor to okay coverage, poor to okay pressure, and okay run defense. But the best word to describe that defense in week three from the uh, Dolphins was porous. And... The Dolphins' offense, yeah, they had okay run gaps. Overall, an okay run game in general. And poor. they, they had poor pass protection. Jacoby Percet was extending plays and running for his life a lot of the time. And he was still, like, under pressure even when he would extend plays like it seemed like right when he got out of the pocket there was already still someone chasing him now the Raiders the Raiders offense honestly looked dominant and you know some people will say like oh well you can't say that their offense looked dominant and then say the Dolphins defense sucked uh because if someone's dominant then of course they should dominate like even good defenses 
No, that defense really was bad in week three. And I, I've been high on the Dolphins defense, especially their coverage team. I the corners I think could be the best corners or corner tandem in the league. But the Raiders offense, honestly, like I said, look dominant. Best pass game I have seen against a stacked Dolphins defensive group. The run gaps were solid to good. I would say that they were solid. The run game overall was good. The defense had some solid run defense and okay pressure. I would say that this team is actually really impressing me right now. And as Raiders fans will know that I was not incredibly high on the Raiders this year. So I, I'm I'm proud of the Raiders and you know, I'm look, looking forward to seeing what they do this season. As of right now, they are, I believe, leading the division. It's either them or the Broncos. But honestly, they look like a scary team. Granted, the Steelers, of course, did not look or have not looked good thus far this season. The Dolphins are without Tua. But I mean, this Dolphins team was a team that I had going to the playoffs in the uh, before the season started. Same thing with the Ravens, and they beat them. So it, it's going to be interesting. I, I'm not sure how I feel about them facing the Chargers right now in LA. I know that they have. I know I saw a report that like 78% of ticket sales right now are going to Raiders fans. Which my question is, how would you know that? I'm sure you could like put or there's like a little thing. Are you a Raiders fan or are you a Chargers fan? But if there's not that, how are you knowing that information? And if 78%, yeah, it's like 78% of the stadiums or of SoFi Stadium is going to be Raiders fans from what I recall. And I mean... That's going to make for an interesting game. The Raiders and Chargers have played each other very hard. Matter of fact, I'm looking at the stat right now, or the thing right now. According to Vivid Seats, Raiders fans will make up about 74% of the crowd for this week's Monday night football game against the Chargers at SoFi Stadium as of right now. That's pretty nuts. And that will definitely help the Raiders in this matchup. And I'm not sure who I'm going to take yet in this game. You'll find out on Friday. Uh, but until then, just going to need to wait. Let me study some more of the film, study some of the notes, and take a look at the injury reports. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we return, we will be breaking down the final four games from the week three. When we return after this. <laughs> And I found it. The Packers rank 22nd in special teams. 22nd. Now, let, let's find where the 49ers rank in kickoff. Where are you? Where's the kickoff section? Ah, second. You rank as the second best kick off team in the NFL first the 22nd why are you not booting that ball high in the air do a rainbow kick make sure well 
not rainbow kick, but like kick it high and make sure it lands within the 15 to 10 yard line, which I know that's kind of hard to uh, tell someone to do, but let's say you land it within just the 20. That kick returner is going to have to field that ball. Squib it. Squib it just like how all these other teams have been doing some kicks. And you want these returners, even when they get it in stride sprinting, they still waste six seconds on the clock. And that's with them getting back to like the 25 or 30. So you waste six seconds. Say they get back to the 30. Throw that first ball that's caught by Adams. Okay, completed. Great, great uh, catch, great grab, all that. Throw that second ball where they get down, where they get in the field goal range or whatever. Okay, that, that's great. The Packers have no timeouts. They've wasted they wasted that six seconds on the uh, on the uh, kickoff. Game's over. They're not gonna be able to run up and spike that ball. The game's over. Rodgers would have had to go for a hail mary. Which granted, Rodgers is good at those hail marys. He he. For all we know, he gets that. But the chances are less likely, and that's why I want to say, what what do you think? It's like. Do a line drive or a booming kick. Don't kick it into the end zone. Why did you tell your kicker to go, hey, go out there and make sure it's a touchback? No. That's how you shit the bad special teams coordinator. And finally, the defensive coordinator. Why was why was Devontae Adams not double covered? You guys did so good against uh, uh, Rodgers when he was double covered throughout the game. Why would you not double team his best receiver? Doesn't make sense. I the pack. I'm just saying. While the Packers, great win. Congratulations. I'm not trying to like sh shit on the Packers at all. Um, great win and everything, but. They are incredibly lucky that weed is legal in California because that entire coaching staff heading into the fourth quarter, into that final drive, must have gotten so high from like the atmosphere, from just the weed being in the air, all that. Because there's no way that you three coordinators fuck up that bad. It, I, I was so annoyed that annoyed me so much i remember and of course i had the the 49ers winning i was rooting for the 49ers because i did predict them to win at the same time still great game i do have one question also by the officiating crew why was Devonte adams out there so quick Devonte adams gets hit slaying on the ground heat Definitely is dazed and confused laying on the ground. Looks like he was knocked out. How did he get out onto the field that quick? And for all these NFL personnel that are saying, oh, we care about player health and safety, you can't look at that play and say that you care about 
Devonte Adams, uh, health and safety, and he can't. I'm I'm blanking on the defender who hit him. Was it Ward? But you can't look or Tart who hit him. You can't look at that play and say we care about the the health and safety of our players and look at that play and say yeah they can go right back on the field because both of them were back on the field. Both of them should have been checked for a concussion and taken into the locker room and got checked. Granted, at the same time, I will say this. There should have been a flag on that play. That hit is an illegal hit. The defender led with the crown of his helmet. The Packers should have gotten yardage on that, no matter what. But Adams should have been taken out of the game for that because he, he, he needs to get checked out. I... If you watch that game or if you saw it, you can see it. He, he's on the ground, dazed and confused. And, like, all that aside, like I said, great win by the Packers. Rodgers looks great. I am going to say one thing, and this is not a shot on Aaron Rodgers at all. Aaron Rodgers is incredibly important to the Packers. If he gets injured... The season is done. I, I don't have faith in Jordan Love to be able to get them to a Super Bowl, of course. And I'm sure no Packer fan would say that Jordan Love is going to get them to a Super Bowl. But for just as much as Aaron Rodgers is important to that team, Devontae Adams is just as important. Because if Adams gets injured and he misses significant, significant time, yeah, of course, the team doesn't run through a quarterback, but that quarterback targets Devontae Adams a hell of a lot of times. He's targeted 18 times in that game. 12 catches, including the two biggest catches of the game at the end. If he gets injured, misses significant time, the Packers are going to lose some games, some close games. So, I, while... Rodgers is incredibly important. I'm sure he would say, you know, Adams is an incredibly important player too. After this game, Adams and Rodgers are both on the same importance scale for me. If one of them gets injured, if Rodgers gets injured, season's over. If Adams gets injured, season's not over. They still probably make the playoffs but they're gonna have to go on the road and Rodgers and the Packers have not performed well on the road in the playoffs so they're not winning the Super Bowl then now talking about the Packers a little bit more I'm gonna actually break down their my notes from their game um the, the offense had solid run gaps they had an overall okay run game they had solid to good, uh, or they had good pass protection. Uh, they, the, the, the defense had some good blitz pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. That's, I'm not going to lie about that. They had very good blitz pressure. The run D was good as well, but again, it is going up against Kyle Juszczyk, so it's not as big of a compliment. Still good. Still good run gap fill. Or filling. Uh, the coverage was good as well. Um, but, I mean, 
I, I'm going to say that they probably shouldn't have won that game because I think that Devontae Adams should have been in concussion protocol. And I think that if... And I, I know I've been kind of harsh on the 49ers coaching staff, but I'm sorry, I was upset because I literally do this for, for work. I need to be good at predicting. And when I try to predict even account for all the variables, I cannot account for three poor coaching mistakes. I love Kyle Shanahan, former Falcons OC. I wish he would become uh, became the head coach. So I'm not saying I know better than any of them. But there were some major mistakes in that final 40 seconds. And I hope that they it doesn't happen again because I want to see the 49ers make the playoffs. I think that they can. I think they can be very competitive in the NFC. But not when they make mistakes like that. But with that said, we are going to head over to the Eagles-Cowboys game, which was the Monday night matchup. And this is the game that I felt so confident about with the Cowboys winning. And I found it rather funny. I even gave y'all a like point prediction. I'm pretty sure I said 37 to 9. Otherwise, I might have... I, I had changed my original one. I said 37-13. Then I just because I was like, eh, I feel like the the Eagles would score a little bit more points. I'm not sure if I announced that in the episode last week or if that was after the episode. But the Cowboys just in the past two years at home have scored 37 points. Against the, uh, against the, both times against the Eagles. Then the Eagles, those two years, averaged 13 and a half points. So I had them scoring 13 and a half points. And it's funny because if that, uh, if the one defensive t- or sack strip fumble in the end zone by the Eagles, or, yeah, on Dak Prescott after the interception doesn't happen, which the cornerback, I think, went into the end zone. I think it should have been a touchback, but it doesn't matter. Then they would have had the final score of, I think it was 40. What what was the Cowboys score, actually? I know the 21 to 41. The final score would have been 41-14, which would have been even closer to my predicted score. I just thought it was awesome and funny how like Vegas and all these other experts had the Cowboys only winning by like max of a touchdown. And if you took my bet and if you took my prediction on the points, I hope you guys made some good money. Because I said like thirty, I either said thirty-seven to nine or thirty-seven thirteen, and my oh my, they they lived up to that promise. Forty-one twenty-one, the Cowboys' offense was electric, but we're gonna start with the Eagles' defense or the Eagles' 
The offense for the Eagles had okay run gaps. They didn't run the ball a lot. They Miles Sanders, I think, only ran like two or three times from what I could count. And not saying that I do know how to count. Just kidding. But uh, the the pass protection was pretty solid for Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts impressed me a little bit, but also he he's missing receivers or he's like taking the route of, hey, I'm going to take off and run instead of letting a play develop where, hey, I he, like he says, I can run right now. I'm going to run. But if he just sat there and, and stood there for a sec, he would see that certain wide receivers like Devontae Smith are about to be running wide open downfield. And that's the one concern that I still have with him. But he did still impress me against the Cowboys. Uh, the defense for the Cowboys, or for the Eagles, was porous. Poor coverage, poor run defense. And they had okay pressure at best. Um, they they really they had really good pressure on Dak when he was within the five yard line, the Dallas five yard line, because they I think they forced a three and out, and then they had that sack strip fumble for a touchdown. So they looked pretty good when they had the Cowboys backed up against against the wall. But I feel like any team should really be good in that situation. The, the the one thing I will say is it's hard for defenses to have good coverage against the Cowboys. The Cowboys are an electric offense, and just scanning over to them, they they are just an extremely good offense. They had good pass protection and very good run gaps, good run game overall. Their defense looks damn near elite compared to last year uh they dan they look elite under dan quinn um i'm just being honest with that they they play out of their mind they play very good and they could very easily be three and oh right now they played a very good chargers team week two and they almost beat a very good buccaneers team week one the defense had, uh, I mean, the defense just plays really well. I really liked how the coverage looked, and I'm, I'm proud of Dan Quinn because I think Dan Quinn is a coach that needs to stay as a defensive coordinator, or he needs to start off with a team that has a really good defense. I liked him as a coach for the Falcons, um, but. He was never able to build that defense that we all thought he was going to build in Atlanta as an Atlanta fan. The, the type of defense that we saw from Seattle with the Legion of Boom. And may I just say that while he didn't build a good defense with the Falcons, he sure did take all of our good players because he t- right now the Cowboys have DeMonte Casey, Keanu Neal, who are two good KZ uh, balled out during the Week 3 matchup. He's been playing very well this season thus far. And it it sucks seeing it. Like, hey, why why can't that 
be on my team. A lot of Falcons fans really liked KZ. Every Falcon fan liked Keanu Neal. Um, so it sucks that they're not on the team, but good to see that they're still performing very well. And I'm going to be honest, I, I like how this team looks. I'm going to say that this team, when I do my like power rankings next week, are probably going to be higher up in the power rankings. Like, I, I'm trying to think here with all the teams on what teams that I think, oh, th- th- this team is better than this team or and all that. I would say that the Cowboys are definitely one of the best teams in the NFC. I would say it probably, in my personal opinion, if I had to do it right now, I would go, Rams, Buccaneers, Cowboys, then Cardinals, Packers, Panthers, I'm looking at all the teams right now, so sorry about, probably Panthers, and then, I'd probably put the Vikings And then the Seahawks. And the only reason why I'm putting the Vikings ahead of the Seahawks is because they just beat the Seahawks. But yeah, the the Cowboys look outstanding. I'm very happy. I know that my brother, who is a Cowboys fan, has got to be ecstatic about how well they've been playing because I know that heading into this year, he did not seem like 100% confident about them. He, He didn't really talk too much about them, so... It's good to it's good to see them performing well. But with all that said, we're going to take a break. When we return, we will be doing the final segment of this episode, which is breaking down the week four Thursday night football game matchup. When we return after this. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Bell, and we are here to the final segment, which this will be a rather quick segment. It is the Thursday night matchup for the Thursday night matchup between the Jaguars, Bengals, and doing the predictions for the game. The This was actually a harder prediction for me than... Normal because I, prior to this week, I was said that the Bengals are easily going to win this game. But, you know, the Jaguars showed a lot of fight. And, you know, Trevor Lawrence played very well in the last game. With that being said, looking at the injury report, um, Roy Robertson Harris. The D lineman from the Jaguars is out. Josh Lambeau, their kicker, is out. The Bengals have Sidobe Awuze, the corner, who's doubtful. Jesse Bates, the third, who's a safety, who is out. T. Higgins is out. Wide receiver. Xavier Suafio. I probably butchered that name, but he's a guard on the team. He's 
doubtful. And the games in Cincinnati, the Jaguars just traded C.J. Henderson, which I am going to actually talk about that too for a second after this. I'm. This is a hard game because I'm trying to think because Trevor Lawrence did play very well. I wouldn't be shocked if the Jaguars won this game. Both teams are good at controlling the ball using the run. I'm going to take the Bengals just because I do trust Joe Burrow a little bit more. But right now, I'm pretty sure... Let me check, just to confirm. 100% of people are take, or experts are taking the Bengals. But I don't know if it should be that set in stone. I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals upset... Or the Jaguars upset the Bengals. The the Bengals have the advantage of being at home. This is a tough matchup for me. I, I'm only gonna give the Bengals like a one touchdown uh win. Like I think they will win by seven points. If anything more, it'd be like ten. Maybe they're up by seven, and then they <clears throat> kick a field goal at the end of the game to go up ten. But, yeah, I'm taking the Bengals in the matchup. Right now in the season, I'm 3-0 and on Thursday night football. Last season, I was like 14-2 and or 15-1. and It's very good on Thursday night football. So, hopefully, this one's correct. Uh, but, one thing I want to talk about with the Jaguars. The Jaguars just made a trade the other day. They made a trade with the Carolina Panthers. Now, it was actually yesterday, Tuesday. The or Monday, I think it was Monday actually. Um, what do or the the Jaguars traded their twenty twenty first over or first round pick, nineteen or ninth overall pick in the first round. Defensive back, C.J. Henderson. Now, okay, people trade first-round players all the time. They play trade picks all the time. What's the big deal with it? The big deal is that they traded him to the Panthers, who are in need of cornerback help after J.C. Horn is was placed on IR with his injury. But they... Only they traded Henderson and a fifth round pick to the Panthers in exchange for career journeyman tight end Dan Arnold and a third round pick. Or a third round pick. And I do not know how you justify that to the fan base. Giving up on a corner after one year. Granted, he hasn't performed great. But then again, the entire Jaguars defense hasn't performed great. I wouldn't be shocked if C.J. Henderson performed at a as a solid corner for the Panthers. And now you only get career journeyman Dan Arnold, who I haven't checked out the contract, 
but I'm sure Dan Arnold will probably cost around the same amount as C.J. Henderson this year because of the fact that he has been in the league for... He, he is a veteran. He's been in the league for a while. And you had to give up a fifth-round pick, and you only got a third-round pick. You know, I know that Trevor Lawrence had a lot of wide receivers that were, a lot of receivers that were dropping the ball and everything, but I don't think Dan Arnold, who dropped a couple passes in the Thursday night matchup, is going to solve anything. I don't know why they did this trade, and I am worried. I'm worried about Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Because I feel like both their careers are, could be potentially be wasted. I'm not going to say that any of them are going to be busts, any of these quarterbacks. But the Jaguars have head coach Urban Meyer. He's, this is his first time he's ever coached in the NFL. He's going to have his learning mistakes. He's not going to come in and be an instantly great coach. It's shown he's not been an instantly great coach. He's going to need to learn from his mistakes. Adding that, rookie quarterbacks need to learn from their mistakes. So you have a rookie quarterback who you don't want to ruin, who has to learn from his mistakes, while his head coach is also learning from his rookie mistake, his own rookie mistakes. And you are trading away assets and former first-round picks from a year ago, who, while not being a great corner thus far, is still a starter on your team. For Dan Arnold, who, yeah, will probably start, but I don't think he's going to be a difference maker on the Jaguars. I, I just don't understand it. And I'm worried about the Jaguars, who are a very highly dysfunctional team, just like the Jets, ruining Trevor Lawrence who everyone knows was a can't-miss talent coming out of the draft, viewed as the same in the same hierarchy as Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. And I'm just concerned. Jaguars might mess up Trevor Lawrence, just like how the Zach Wilson might get messed up by the Jets. It, it's a big concern for me, and I don't want to see it happen. I just, I don't know. It's I don't know. How how do you guys feel about it? Go go on go on to the official FMK Live Twitter page and let me know. I have a I'm, there's a post on there talking about CJ Henderson. Please comment on it. Tell me what you think of this trade. If you're a Jaguars fan, do you like the trade? Um otherwise you could DM me on Instagram my Instagram handle is Joshua Bell 11 Both of those will be in the description for this episode. Uh, other than that, again, I think the Bengals are going to win this game tomorrow. I think the Jags will fall to 0-4. It's going to be a close game, but I think that they're going the Bengals are going to end up winning this game. Other than that, though, uh, I hope you guys have a great week. We will talk again on Friday probably about the Thursday night matchup and 
or the Thursday night game. And until then, we'll see you next time. Have a great week, and we'll see you later.